0: Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you once again, yet again, to the sermon series, The Good Shepherd. Now, some of you, you're in here and you're thinking, Well, well, goodness, how many weeks are we in? Psalm 23? I mean, it's not that long. You're right, it's not that long. And we're we're kind of taking our way through there. But you might be looking through and saying, Well, goodness, Pastor, when are you gonna finish? Glad you asked. We're going to be finishing verse 6 this morning, and then actually next week, we're going to kind of put a bow on the end, kind of a, an overview, oversight of this entire chapter as we will conclude the series next week. But it does remind me about uh, just that, that concept of a little boy. little boy was asked in Sunday school, one particular Sunday morning, if he knew where the Lord lived. This little boy perked up, his his eyes got big as saucers. He says, Yes, teacher, I know exactly where the Lord lives. The Lord lives in our bathroom. The teacher did what many of you are doing, which is kind of narrowed the eyes, kind of looked, and kind of said, Well, what in the world? You know where the Lord lives, and the Lord lives in your bathroom? The teacher said, What makes you think that? The little boy responded, Well, all I know is this. Every Sunday morning, I hear my daddy banging on the bathroom door and hollering, Good Lord, are you still in there? So I think that's where he lives. So yes, we are still in there. We are still in Psalm 23. You can turn to that this morning. We've been working our way verse by verse. Each verse has been a week. We added a kind of a preliminary intro week. So this is verse 6 week seven, and next week we will cap it off and conclude it. So we've been looking at King James and NIV most weeks. This week they're, they're very, very similar, so we'll read for you quickly uh, the King James version. Many of you have, have memorized. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. NIV is is not very different. It says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, this morning, in in the balance of our time, we're going to be looking at a description of our shepherd. We've looked at a at a lot of different components. As we've looked at the green pastures, we've looked at the still waters, we've looked at the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil. I mean, we, we've looked at the rod and the staff, and we've looked at all of these components. This morning, I want to just look at and share about a description of our shepherd, and we're going to look at that here from verse six. So first of all, I want to encourage us with this. We have a shepherd who provides certainty. How many of you enjoy certainty? You like to be certain about something. You don't like to be in the dark. You don't like uh, wondering, wishing, hoping, uh, not sure whether this is going to happen or not. We like certainty. The very, very first word of this verse says, Surely. Surely. As in absolutely, positively, definitely going to happen. Then you see a couple of other words in there. Not just surely, but it says that goodness and mercy shall follow. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow. Not maybe goodness and mercy might possibly follow. Not perhaps goodness and mercy could potentially follow. The psalmist, David, is writing, he is very certain about this shepherd. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow, and the end result is what? I will dwell. There's an awful lot of certainty that David writes about in verse 6, and that's because we have a shepherd... Who provides certainty? Surely, is a a very important word that that begins this verse. Came across this video I want to share with you. It's a, a little girl, I think she's maybe about three years old, and she memorized the entire Psalm 23. Pretty good for a little girl. Now, you got to check it out. She's really, really excited about sharing this verse, and there's one particular word she just can't seem to wait to get to. Let's check it out this morning.
1: Go ahead. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why don't you look at the camera? Oh, okay. The Lord is my shepherd; and I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will be here with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Surely, surely prepare a table before me and present. Of my enemies. Now my head. You anoint my head with soil. Surely. My cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely. Yes? Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Surely
0: goodness and love.
1: Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely,
0: is it yet? Yeah, surely, surely. There's a there's a certainty when you say surely. We are saying I can count on, I can depend upon, I can trust God. Surely. She couldn't wait to get to that word. She she was wanting to share that word. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow, and I will dwell. Now, David's not saying, surely, bad things will never happen to me. Because how many of you know bad things can happen? How many of you know that heartaches can happen? Illnesses can happen, difficulties, struggles, trials. We talked about going through the valley of the shadow of death. We will go through difficulty. David is not saying, surely nothing will ever happen to you. He's not saying that. He's saying, surely, and you shall and you will understand the God we serve, the shepherd that we follow, Can help provide certainty. You can count on Him. You can trust in Him. You can depend upon Him. Yes, difficult times will come. Yes, bad situations will take place. But here's the good news surely, absolutely, positively, definitely, He will be with you in the midst of them. That's good news. He is a God who provides encouragement. He is a God who provides certainty. Look all through the word of God. You see some men and women used in mighty, mighty ways by God. Have you seen some men and women in God's word go through difficulty? Say yes. There we go. We've seen a lot of individuals go through difficulty. Now, in some cases, has God chosen to lift them out of the difficulties? Say yes. See, oh, this is good. See, we just, we, we can edit out the say yes part and then, no, we'll just let it in there. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the fiery furnace, they were in the fiery furnace, and yet there was a fourth, like the Son of God with them in the fiery furnace. God delivered them. They were not burned. They were not singed, and they came out. In that particular instance, Not only was God with them, God delivered them. And we say, God, make every situation, make every circumstance that I'm in like that. Be with me and get me out of there. Does that happen every single time? We can probably look at many, many more circumstances at individuals in the Word of God who have gone through trials, who have gone through hardships, who have gone through difficulty. God did not remove them out of it, but God was with them through it. Think about a New Testament character, Saul, who became known as Paul. I mean, Paul he wrote about many of the different things that he encountered. I mean, shipwrecks, beatings, whippings, left for dead. I mean, it seemed like everybody and their brother was after Paul. He was was a wanted man. His face would probably have been hanging up in all the post offices in that time. Right? And yet... God didn't necessarily deliver him out of everything, but God was with him in everything. And what do we have as an end result from the life of Paul? Towards the end of his life, he was imprisoned. Oh, joy, right? How many of you would love a little bit of incarceration for the gospel? He was in prison, and yet from prison, what did he do? O me, oh my, and and sit and sulk. He praised the Lord. In fact, he did some writing. And we have multiple books of the New Testament, letters written to churches or letters written to individuals, even written during the time of imprisonment. There was the certainty of the fact, even in the midst of imprisonment, God is with him. It doesn't mean that God was going to take him or eliminate any difficulty or any hardship, but it's the promise, it's the certainty, it's the guarantee that God will be with us in those difficult times. Goodness and mercy followed alongside. There was some good that came out of that imprisonment. God was even able to, to take that time and allow him to do some writing, inspire him to write some letters. To churches and to individuals, not just to encourage them, but ultimately it's encouraged so many millions and millions over this entire year's since. We can count on God to be with us in the midst of adversity. Doesn't always mean he delivers us out of it, but it means he's with us through it. And so as we begin this, this final verse. Surely, and you shall, and you will, there is certainty when it comes to God. Because you and I know when it comes to individuals, boy, sometimes we do good and sometimes we don't. We're, We're not always the most dependable. We can trust in God. We can count upon Him. He provides security. He provides the confidence. We can trust in Him. There is certainty in our God. We fear the future. We're unsure of what the future is going to hold. When it comes to our lives, our our families, our our finances, our education, our jobs, our our homes, whatever, we're unsure about what the future is going to hold. Now, we like to to depend upon certain things. We, We depend upon investments, and most of the time, we can depend you put some money in the bank, or you maybe put a little bit of money in an investment and, and you hope that it grows, does it guarantee to grow? Just a handful of years ago, we had a pretty big financial downturn, right? And in fact, some of the biggest banks with some of the biggest buildings made some of the worst decisions financially. And a lot of people in a lot of places lost a lot of money. Even in some of the biggest sectors of society, the auto industry, banking industry, I mean, government shelled out millions and billions of dollars to help out industries to help them to get by. So we can't always depend upon the future to say, well, if I do this, I'm I'm guaranteed to have this return. There's one individual, one thing you and I can trust and count on with all certainty, and that's God. And David's writing about this good shepherd and this incredible description of him is he provides certainty. Not even insurance can help insure us. We love to have insurance for all kinds of stuff. Ultimately, God is the one who will help us. No matter where we are, we're in the green pastures, God's with us. We're beside the still waters, God's with us. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Guess what? We're not alone, God's with us. Every single area, every other verse that we're reading through, God is with us. There is a certainty about the shepherd. We have a God, we have a shepherd who provides certainty. Surely he shall and will. Here's a second definition or second description about this shepherd that we serve. And that's this. We have a shepherd who pursues us. Who pursues us. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now, Some of the different uh, writers and authors and commentators wrote this. They said it was sometimes common for shepherds to have two sheepdogs follow the flock. They were the rear guard to protect the flock and to, to keep an eye out for wandering sheep. To some degree, they were, they were likening, not specifically, but just saying, goodness and mercy to some degree are almost like those sheepdogs, kind of helping to follow and helping come alongside of us. Goodness, referring to many of the the benefits of God's presence and his blessings. He's our shepherd and we're not in want with him. Someone said mercy is grace in action. Grace in action. It's the fact that God gives us what we need and not necessarily what we deserve. Aren't you thankful for that? giving us what we need and not what we deserve. So goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. There's that definite, there's that guarantee, there's that certainty. It's not just some, it's not just a couple, it's not just weekdays, it's not just weekends, it's all the days of our lives. But David wrote that goodness and mercy shall follow us. This particular word used for follows and, and interpreted here as follows, and in many other cases is literally interpreted as pursue. This same word is used elsewhere in the Bible. Exodus chapter 14, verse 8, it mentions the chariots of Pharaoh pursued the Israelites to see. Psalm eighteen thirty seven, David says, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. So a little bit of a difference. Follow it kind of carries that connotation. I'm, I'm tagging along behind. I'm, I'm kind of lingering along behind you. Pursue, that's active. That's seeking after. I think it's, it's pretty powerful here, this thought and this word for pursue lines up with Jesus himself as the good shepherd in, in, in the New Testament. John 10.10, he said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He's talking about himself in this description. Luke's gospel, Luke 19.10, what does he say? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He's pursuing, he's seeking, he's desiring to reach out to you and to me. We've got a shepherd who provides certainty. We have a shepherd who pursues us, who desires that we would come to know him as Lord and Savior. That's his heart, not just for those of us in this sanctuary, but for those outside this sanctuary. He wants to be able to utilize us to share his words, his message, his heart with others in our community, in our community, in our states, in our, in our nation, around the world, in missions, there's a lot that we can do. It's not just that we say, thank you. Thank you for pursuing. Thank you for, for touching my heart and for saving me. He's pursuing and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, reaching out, desiring to touch other hearts and other lives. Aren't you thankful? We've got a God. We have a shepherd, not just one that we can count on, not just one that we can depend upon, not just one that provides certainty, but a God and a shepherd who pursues us. Finally this morning, here's a, a final thought or a final description about a powerful God, a powerful Savior, but a powerful shepherd in Psalm 23, verse 6. We have a God and we have a shepherd who prepares eternity. Prepares eternity. He writes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But he concludes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to dwell in that place He has provided forever. Writing in advance, thinking in advance of what God is going to do through His Son, Jesus Christ, in heaven. This Pretty important little connection here in this verse. It's connecting our yesterdays with our todays and with our tomorrows. We are to be with him forever. God, our, our incredible good shepherd says, it's not just that I've forgiven your past. It's not just that I'm with you here in your present. Man, I have got some good things in store for your future, and I desire for you to live with me forever and ever, and ever, and ever. How many of you know that's a long time? That's a long time, right? In other words, the best is yet to come. I've got more in store for you, he says. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.1. We know that our body will be destroyed, but when that happens, God will have a house for us, not a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. Forever. How long is forever? Say forever. Yeah, awful long time. It says, at some point in time, this body will give out and will wear out. Our time on earth is limited, but our time following our time here on earth is unlimited, eternal. Eternal. We were created for eternity. We were prepared for eternity. The question is, which location, which destination will we be in? Heaven or hell? We are prepared for eternity. He's trusting. He's desiring. He's preparing the opportunity for heaven, but the choice is up to us very real places, and we would spend eternity there, one place or another. Here's the challenge. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for the inevitable and eternal. And that's what many people do. To go through life giving no thought to the hereafter focused on the here, focused on the now, focused on our years on earth. Now, we hope that we have many, many years. But you read the newspapers. Does everybody that pass away make it to the age of 100? Unfortunately, no. There's some children and youth and young adults and young adults... 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe we reach 100 years. And if we reach 100 years, we say, man, that's a long time. Because by the time we hit 100, there's not going to be a whole lot of our 100-year-old classmates with us, unfortunately. And we look at 100 years and we say, wow, 100 years is, is long. It's, in a sense... Our time here on earth it's a little bit like here, here's the sports analogy preseason football many of you love football it could be high school football it could be college football it could be professional NFL football and you love football this this past friday night was the first high school football week upcoming this week is the first College football week, and then following that is, is going to be NFL, and so everybody's waiting for the regular season games. And maybe you didn't know it, but there's been NFL pro football going on for a number of weeks. And the stars, the starters, you know, they go into the game, they say hello, they shake hands, and then they're taken out. Now, I've only been to a couple different Regular season football games. Never been to a preseason football game. But here's the amazing thing. You pay full price to get into a preseason game where hardly any of the starters will ever play. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. It's still the atmosphere. It's still the game. It's still football. But whether you win or lose, it does not count when it comes to the, the regular season of football. It's practice, it's preliminary, it's leading up to the real thing. In a sense, that's kind of what our 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years on earth is. It's temporary, preliminary, it's leading up to the real thing. Most people, when it comes, if you're a diehard football fan, that you kind of look at preseason like, let's just get it over with and let's get ready for the real thing. Because many times in preseason football, it's people you don't know about. They're just hopefully trying to make the team. But once the season starts, wins and losses and and all of those conflicts, they mean something. Likewise, I think many times here on earth, we're, we're so focused on investing In our limited number of days and months and years here on this earth, we're not understanding this is the preliminary. This is leading up to the real thing. Eternity, hopefully spent with Jesus Christ in heaven. We've got a God, we've got a shepherd who is preparing eternity for you and I. Now, heaven is made for everybody, but not everybody will be in heaven. Did you catch that? Heaven's prepared. Heaven is is made for everyone to be there. Unfortunately, not everybody will be. Now, if you ask people, the majority of people would say, I believe in God, and I'm going to heaven. And many, many people, unfortunately, will be mistaken. It's not enough just to believe in a God. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago on our Wednesday night. Looking at the Sermon on the Mount and and, uh, the wide gate and the narrow gate and the wide road and the narrow road, and and so many people are going to enter the wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction, which is hell. Only a few people will enter into the the narrow gate and and lead down that, that small road, which leads to life. And shares with us that thought. So many in this day and age think everybody's just going to get into heaven. I mean, you just got to be good. You just got to believe in God, and you're going to get there. Heaven is created for everyone, but we've got to have a relationship with God to get in. What did Jesus himself say? John chapter 14 I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one enters into the Father but by me. You can't get into heaven except by me. There's a relationship with me. It's not just saying I'm a good person, I'm going to get there. So God, this good shepherd that we serve, is preparing eternity. He's preparing heaven. But the choice is up to you, the choice is up to me. Will we choose To surrender, submit our lives, come to him and say, clean me, cleanse me, forgive me. I want to be a part of your family. We've got to live in light of eternity this morning. Certainly, we enjoy our time that's here, but this is the preparation for years and years and years spent with the Lord. This is going to be such a small portion. Live our lives in light of eternity. Live as he desires. Share that message with as many people as we can. But understand the things that that we have, the things that we do, this is the temporary, this is the the lead up to eternity. Plan for eternity. Know him, love him, serve him. This shepherd, we've we've spent a number of weeks looking at the good shepherd. Verse by verse by verse by verse, we come to verse 6 and see that we have a shepherd who provides us with certainty. We have a shepherd that pursues and seeks after us. We have a good shepherd who prepares eternity for those who have that relationship with him. Do you?